It's officially Marketing a Talk. Marketing a Clock's monthly roundtable discussion episode. Join our team and a panel of experts to dive deep into a specific digital marketing topic. Don't forget, you can catch our famous Friday news show each and every Friday morning at youtube.marketingaclock.com or wherever you consume your podcast. Hey there, I'm Christine Zernheld, aka Shop. And it is officially marketing a talk. Today, we're going to take a step back and discuss the state of PPC as of right now, August 2021. And we are so lucky to be joined by some of the best and brightest in the industry. First, we are joined by Marketing O'Clock and Cypress North's own Mark Saltarelli. Mark, thanks for being here. Good to see you. Great to see you too. You know, it's my favorite place to be. Yeah, not that you had a choice. (laughs) (laughs) And we (laughs) we are also so happy to be joined once again by your favorite PPC chat moderator and president of Neptune Moon, Julie Buccini. Hi, Julie. Good to see you. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. I love hanging out with you guys. (laughs) Thanks for being here. One of our favorites. And finally, we are joined for the first and hopefully not the last time by Stella Rising's Associate Director of Search Engine Marketing, Anastasia Sorokina. Hi, Anastasia. How are you? Hi. Thank you guys for having me. So excited to be here and talk to you today. We're so excited to have you here. It has been almost one year since we had our very first marketing talk, if you can believe it, about big changes that were happening in Google ads. So we feel like it's a good time to take to talk about what's working hard, what's hardly working and strategies that you can test in your Google ads and Microsoft advertising accounts. And Mark and Julie were actually there for that first episode. So we're excited to be joined by you again and get your thoughts and Anastasia's. I can't believe it's one year. I know. I actually thought it was two when I set up the notes. I wrote all of them as if it had been two years. And then I was like, oh, it's only been one. It only drags. It feels like two. (laughs) So let's get into it. From a business standpoint, 2020 and 2021 were both really weird years. Some businesses saw huge growth and some were forced to shut down. Can you guys give us a quick temperature check on how things are going from an an agency standpoint for you guys? How have things changed over the past two years? And Mark, I will start with you. I would say here, things have been pretty crazy. I think since the onset, a lot of companies have been kind of reallocating their traditional like event marketing budgets into digital. And we've been so busy on the digital marketing side, we've been having to push clients out and be like, wait until the seasonal client leaves and then you can come on and we'll onboard you. And we've just been insanely busy and it's been extremely fortunate for us that we've been able to hire a lot of new people here at Cypress North, including Caleb, um, (laughs) full-time producer. Um, And it's been really great. I think the one really big thing that I'm noticing is that the types of clients I'm seeing has changed a little bit. I would say pre-pandemic, a lot of the clients we were getting knew a lot about digital marketing and why it was valuable and how it worked, but weren't able to do that themselves and kind of just came to us and trust us as a partner 
and um, we just kind of worked hand in hand and did things. And I'm seeing a lot of my newer clients, um, they don't really know anything at all about digital. And besides the relationship of wanting us to do everything for them, they also want a lot of learning and education. And I'm getting a lot of very interesting questions that I used to never get. And clients want to know a lot about kind of what we're doing and kind of how everything is working and how different aspects of PPC work and like what close variant matching is. And there's just a lot more education going on. And it's been very exciting to be able to share that knowledge with clients. Yeah. So from a hiring standpoint, you mentioned we were able to find Caleb, but would you say it's been easy to find talent recently or a little more difficult? No, it's, it's, um, it's been very difficult. I think there are a lot of jobs out there right now in digital marketing, and it's a crazy time for people to be applying, especially if you're hiring locally rather than nationally as remote. I think um, it's taken us a lot of time to find the people we have found, and we do currently have an open job rack if you're in Western New York. So yeah, a little um, there. <laughs> it, it's been difficult to find people in PPC for us. Yeah. How have things been at Neptune Moon, Julie? It's been, you know, an interesting, it's been bumpy, you know, through, throughout the last year and a half. Um, I would agree with, with what Mark was saying. There are definitely people who seem like they're, they're getting into, uh, into digital for the first time. I also have had an uptick in clients who were working with someone else in digital who really either didn't know what they were doing or were operating kind of in the like set it and forget it, you know, op, uh, growing based on churn. Uh, I've taken, I feel like I've had more, like there's always been that, right? When you have somebody moving to a different agency, they're, they're unhappy for one reason or another. But I feel like in the last year, roughly, I've had more clients come to me who are coming off an experience where they're like, nobody's explaining what they're doing. Um, it doesn't really seem like they're doing a whole lot for us. You know, they, they want to understand, um, not necessarily to the point where they want to micromanage, but they really, they really are, are invested at a different level, I think, now than, you know, maybe they were years, years prior. So they, they want to know what's, what you're doing, how you're doing it. They're paying pretty close attention. Um, and so, wanting to know like, why are we showing up for, um, you know, things that are completely irrelevant. And you can kind of tell that there are, are practitioners out there who are, are not being terribly vigilant when it comes to, you know, trying to be more specific in, in where they're, the clients are spending, you know, spending money and what they're matching. I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into talking about the whole Google keyword matching yeah. <laughs> later <laughs> in more detail, but that's had a, that's had a big, that's had a big impact for established clients. And then for, for newer clients who are, who are coming in as well. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes those clients that ask more questions, it takes work to answer the questions in the moment, but they often turn out to be better clients who like care about what you're doing more. Do you feel the same way? And they generally, see the value? Yeah. I say generally, yes. Um, you know, as long as it doesn't tip into that space where then they're like, I was looking in the, you know, you want that, that hit that sweet spot where yeah. they're invested in, in the process and what's happening and they want to be a proactive part of that process, but they're not driving you bananas with, you know, all these emails, you know, three, four, five, six times a week of like, Hey, I just popped in and I was lo like looking at this or checking that, you know, that it, it's finding that balance between getting them involved and motivated 
and understanding and wanting to be a, a, a partner really in the process, but not creating a monster <laughs> where, you know, they're, they're in there double checking and they're asking you questions where you're just like, oh my gosh, please just let me do my thing. Because yeah. <laughs> then exactly. it's like, why am I even here if you're the one poking around in the ad <laughs> account? <of>. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> How are things at Stellar Rising, Anastasia? We've been pretty innocuous clients. I think we kept majority of clients through COVID, and um, the we have a big chunk of retail and beauty clients. So those are growing budgets are crazy right now. So we are hiring too. Uh, we need more people rather than clients at this point. Uh, we also noticed that I think CPG was surprising for me because they start growing their budget significantly to support the direct-to-consumer uh, lines. Um, you know, a lot of brands now, instead of selling on Amazon and through grocery stores, they realize they can sell it from the website. Mm-hmm. And that's what's been going on at CPG. Um, I would say there are some challenges this year for sure. And especially with kind of the year-over-year performance, especially for beauty, because uh, trends are changing. Like skincare was booming last year, but if you look in this year, um, I see more demand for makeup and for beauty services, like going to hair salons and things like that. So people taking off their masks, they yeah. more comfortable socializing or going to the hair salon. So those things are changing and a lot of clients in skincare are like, oh my God, why uh, 2019 looks better than 2021? But yeah. this is why, because things are changing and trends are shifting in the industry right now. I would say also another thing that I noticed is competition. Again, more and more people in the market right now and CPCs are growing crazy up. <laughs> and that's been hard kind of um, keep uh, existing clients profitable and cost efficient when that's happening in the market and the industry. So with more and more uh, companies in the market, would you say that the demand for digital marketers is higher a year and a half into the pandemic? I would say definitely. We are getting a lot, a lot more clients knocking on our door and we actually turning them away as well. So uh, some clients just not suitable for our agency. And I think also our business development uh, people kind of have a really good screening system where they don't want to take some of the clients that are going to be more work for us and really not good for our <laughs> agency morale. Yeah, that makes sense. It's hard, but you got to find the right fit. Exactly. So now I want to get into what is new with the ad platform specifically. So is there anything new that Google or Microsoft introduced fairly recently? We can be a little flexible with this that is working well in your accounts. Mark, I'll start with you for this one. I would say one thing I love, and you know, I am going to talk about HubSpot because I always talk about HubSpot, (laughs) but um, HubSpot ads, which is one of my favorite add-ons that they added to Marketing Pro, um, now allows you to sync opportunities and customers um, with their deal values over to Google Ads as a conversion. And historically, if you wanted to do that and sync opportunity or deal or customer values from a CRM, it was a lot of manual work to get that to sync over to Google ads. And now it just takes a click of two buttons and you're there. So that has been really cool. Um, Usually, I mean, in B2B sales cycles are too long for that to matter for optimizing for target ROAS or anything any other automated bid strategy, but it is cool to see that for reporting. 
Um, another really easy one is just kind of the different organizations of bid strategies and adding those, um, not bid strategies, um, the different organizations for conversions and like kind of the types of conversions kind of makes it easier when taking over a client account and understanding the conversions they set up and kind of what they are and why they set them up. Because for some reason, people are really good at selecting like the sub conversion event that it is, but they don't name them very well. So it makes it a lot easier to take over an account from someone else. And another one that really hit home for me recently is um, the ability to share remarketing lists across a manager account. Um, because recently I had a client who their old ad account was being held hostage by their last agency. And we had everything ready to go to launch. And then the day before we're about to launch, um, they're like, hey, the agency actually gave us access to our ads account and they wanted to run everything out of it. And while it's really easy to copy and paste all of your campaigns or sync them over, um, you can't just do that with audiences, but now with um, being able to share those remarketing lists for through the manager account, it was really easy to sync over the remarketing lists for the RLSAs and the display remarketing campaigns over to their other ad account. Um, kind of the only other way to do this before was if you were managing your audiences through Google Analytics. Awesome. All welcome changes. Julie, is there anything new that you're loving? That's interesting. I, uh, the remarketing thing across the, I, I haven't had a situation where sharing it across accounts would have worked the way that you just, you know, like where you're basically doing like the mm -hmm. old account into the new, I'm going to file that away because that will be very, very helpful, uh, you know, when you get in those situations where you don't have access to something that you desperately, desperately need, need access to. Um, I, I'm going to take a different <laughs> approach. I, no problem. I'm finding, I'm finding fewer things that work well and more things that are giving me headaches. So my answer to this would be fairly, fairly short. And it's probably a function of the types of accounts that I work on. I have um, a fair number of B2B, uh, which as Mark was saying, you, you know, you have this long sales cycle and it doesn't lend itself towards the way that Google likes to do things and, and manage things. It's, it's so much more geared towards, you know, all of the automation and the conversions and all that happening in a pretty, in a pretty quick window, which just doesn't happen on the B2B side of things hardly ever. Yeah. So all of those features that, you know, everyone talks about that, that are, are, the automation helping. I'm not seeing as much of that <laughs> because mm -hmm. my, my client mix just doesn't, doesn't have that kind of uh, timeline for, for the conversions happening. Uh, so I'm not as wild about a lot of the stuff. I, I like conceptually, I understand why it works and why it works well in the situations that it does. And that's wonderful. Um, but it does not work equally well across all, all types of businesses. So yeah. that, that makes sense. And like yeah. you said, sometimes we'll report on things and it'll be like, oh, shared remarketing lists across accounts, who cares until you need it. And then you're like, oh, exactly. this is why. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> so maybe this is a better question for Anastasia from the direct to consumer side. Is there anything new that you're loving? Yes, we've been uh, testing smart shopping a lot and I'll be talking a lot about this today. Uh, but um, it's been working, you know, for certain clients, we're facing, of course, some challenges, but uh, we'll go into details more because I'm sure we're going to talk more about automation there. Um, 
Another thing that we recently been trying is uh, augmented reality within the YouTube ads. Oh, That's wow. been pretty cool, yeah. So we try to try on AR ads for beauty. Now it's actually coming out for retail clients, but it's been pretty interesting test. We saw high engagement. We even saw increase in brand awareness. Um, we measured that with brand list studies, but. Again, you have to spend, you have to have a nice budget to get into some of those tools and try some of that. But it's been pretty cool to, you know, have access to that. Um, one of the things that Google been releasing recently and worked for us, um, local service ads been working pretty well because we work with some of the hyper-local uh, type of service businesses. We have this real estate client who has a ton of local brokerages and it's really hard for them to um, stay afloat with just regular search campaigns because they don't have enough budget to fund some of the numbering keywords or even do some of their awareness. So that tool was working well for them because you pay per lead and you can also adjust and kind of uh, manage your budget on your own. Um, recently, we've also been involved in Google uh, international growth program. That's been pretty cool because we have, do have fair share of international um, clients or clients who want to go international. And they've been pretty helpful on the Google side, actually. Uh, I was very surprised. Uh, they literally walk through every client, through every recommendation. They have tools and um, resources to really help them understand um, some of the things uh, that the client needs to improve on their side before they go into a certain market. Wow, you're taking advantage of a lot of the awesome new features. I'd love to <laughs> know more. That's the advantage AI. to be uh, of being like in a, I would say, larger agency or mid-sized agency because you do get to um, try a lot of tools like that. But it also comes with a price because Google pushes you to try all of these new tools, all the automation, things like that. Yeah, and just being direct to consumer, I think. Yeah, they seem to make more stuff that is for direct to consumer and the B2B people are kind of left out sometimes, which brings me (laughs) to our next question. I'll come to you, Julie, anything new that is hardly working for you? Um, I mean, the, I want, I want the audit, I want to use more automation. I, I really do. I mean, I've been doing this forever and it's a, it's a bit of a philosophical struggle for me because I've done, you know, everything manually for, for so long, but I really, I really want to be able to utilize it more uh, because I realize that, you know, this train has left the station some time ago and it isn't going to turn around, right? Like this is where everything is going. Everything is going to become more automated, but (laughs) it's hard to make it work well for certain types, certain types of accounts. And, you know, I know we sort of joke every year when Google has their, you know, their marketing live event and they come out with their like announcements of, you know, what's on the horizon and what's coming and what they're working on. And all of us snarky B2B people are just like, and eh, nothing for B2B again. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, that's been going on forever. So it's, it's a bit of a joke, right? When we're, when we're in that situation, but it's less funny when you're trying to manage accounts for, for clients and, and you're trying to find ways to, retrofit almost or make some of the automation be able to to work because it's not designed 
for your particular use case. And I think that is a piece that continues to frustrate me and has been frustrating me for the last couple of years as the various automation pieces have rolled out. Like I want to get on board. I want to embrace it, but it's hard to do when it just, it, I find a lot of times like it just can't get enough momentum with the, the B2B stuff to, to really get going and to really find its footing in the same way that I know I'm hearing from other people. You know, we, we talk about all kinds of stuff during PPC chat and it covers the, the gamut and people who participate in it work in all different types of industries. So I know it's working well for a lot of people and that's fantastic. Um, I would love to see it work equally well, or at least reasonably well, like bring up a little bit, you know, like if it's up here for the, the commerce stuff and it's way down here for B2B, like I'd like to at least see the other stuff, you know, come up, you know, at least this far, maybe it's never going to get to this point, but like, it would be nice to feel like it actually has a reasonable chance of, of success. Yeah. Um, so a lot of the new stuff hard. they launch, it sounds like you don't even get a chance to try from the B2B because it's just not made for you. I mean, I, I am trying to try it because I don't <laughs> want to be sitting over here and being like, well, that's not going to work. Like, I mean, that feels like a bad attitude, right? Yeah. I mean, I certainly will not hold back when I have opinions about what Google's doing and why they're doing it. But I also don't want to be stubborn and just feel like, oh, you know, here's Google doing stuff that like doesn't apply. Well, maybe it can apply. Like sometimes you do have things that seem like, like, I'm not sure if this is going to work, right? But I'm always open to, to trying it to see like, well, it doesn't like in my head and with my experience, I feel like mm, I'm having trouble envisioning like how this is going to be successful, but sometimes it surprises you and you use something you're like, huh, I didn't see that coming. And then yeah. you can, you can replicate that out. So I don't want to miss an opportunity to be able to find something that either surprises me and how it works or that I'm able to figure out a way to maybe use it slightly, you know, I use the term like off label, <laughs> you know, like they talk about in medication, like you find out a way to sort of like use something in a little bit of an off label way. And then you're like, oh, well, this isn't exactly like how it was intended. But if you are kind of working it in this way, you might be able to, you know, have it work a little bit better for you. So I want to be creative. I want to be figuring out some of the stuff. I just feel like it's a slog. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I feel like that goes back to when they introduce new things and you're like, who would use this? You just got to remember <laughs> okay. what they are, you know, listen to marketing o'clock, keep up on the news because you never know when you can try something in a different way. Yeah. Okay. Mark, anything that's hardly working for you? Yeah. And this is directly like related to what Julie was saying. And it's like, oh, there's never anything coming out for B2B. And then finally we get Legion form extensions and it's finally like, oh, there's something for us B2B people. This is fantastic. I was through the moon. I've been using them on Facebook and LinkedIn for years and they have been so disappointing. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> it's, it's just sad how they give you a ton of options. They're very flexible but they don't have much of an impact. And I was very excited when they gave you the option to send um, campaign traffic directly to a lead gen form without a landing page. And I did that as an experiment from one of my clients and Google said, this is available in all countries on all devices. This will show up regardless. 
And the experiment with the lead gen form had a third of the impressions of the A variant of the campaign that was going to a landing page. So they're clearly not able to show on all devices if impressions are being cut by that much, which is supposed to be a 50-50 impression split. Mm -hmm. So that was crazy. And then the other huge thing is that the submissions don't collect keyword data. So you can't see where these conversions are coming from in your CRM. So once these leads go in your CRM, you can see which campaign it came from, but you have no idea what the keyword that person was searching was. So that was just, I'm like, how do you have a search feature that doesn't involve keywords in that way? I just thought that was crazy. So it sounds like it's not necessarily that, you know, they don't work, but they're not serving. And because they might not show on all devices and you don't have the data to back it up, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's it's just not working how I would have envisioned it and like how it would have been most helpful. Now, I think it's just kind of one of those extension types you add because it could do something, but it they really aren't maximizing the potential that they have with lead gen forms. Yeah. Weep womp. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And finally here, I wanted to ask you guys if there's anything that's not new, but that you have seen is working better in your accounts. Julie, I'll come back to you for this one to start. Um, I've been trying to do more with audiences. You know, all the talk has been about your first, you know, your first party data and audiences. I mean, it, it, it feels like it is where it makes sense to, to invest a little time and time and energy. Um, I wish, I, I hope at some point, I, I hate how in Google ads, you're either targeting or observing, but you can't be like targeting some and observing others. Yeah. (laughs) I don't understand why that is Um, because you, it it puts you in a bad position, um, you know, to be able to, you you end up spending a lot of time observing stuff because you're like, well, once I decide I'm going to target something, I can't observe things anymore. Um, And it, it, I hope that 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 is on my perennial list of things, especially with the big push towards towards audiences. I'm I'm hoping that that's something that might change here in the next year or so to give you the opportunity to target some audiences, but still be, you know, observing others because it it seems like it's a it's a aspect of the automation that you can take advantage of on on the the B two B side or or in any of the the spaces where you're not having these rapid conversions so that the uh, some of the bidding stuff struggles. Um, at least you can be trying to layer in some audiences to let the machine learning do a little bit better by you as far as you know who they're showing your ads to, when they're showing them, you know, that type of thing. So I I have been spending more time and energy in the in the audience space, both from finding lists to, you know, to utilize, but also looking at sort of what's available because that is constantly changing. Um, Even if you've looked at it, you know, within the last six months, you might want to take another look. Yeah. Because they're constantly changing, like what's in there and what's, what's available. So you may go in and find at one point, I had this happen with, with one particular client, we went in and we tried to find audiences both for exclusion and also for targeting that, you know, might be relevant. And we didn't find a whole lot at that point, which was kind of disappointing, but I went back in recently and I looked again and there were actually, you know, there were a few more audiences that, that felt we wanted to, you know, observe and and take a look at. So I would say 
keep an eye on what's going on with audiences, like check in with it every, you know, maybe like once a quarter, go in and give it a check and see if anything has changed as far as like what's in there, what's available, what you might have access to that you, that you didn't previously. Yeah. That's a great reminder. Anastasia. Can I say something to that? I think that is really interesting about the targeting versus observation, because you can do that in display in the ad group settings where you can add an additional observation, but you can't do it in search for whatever reason. And it's like, you already have that technology. Why don't you just roll that out to search? Or even if you wanted to target the broader category and then observe the subcategories under it, you can't even do that. It makes me crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Anastasia, anything that surprised you? And I'm realizing I skipped you for the last question. So if there's (laughs) something new that's hardly working, let us know. Uh, Well, we tried to test performance max campaigns and really don't want to test them, (laughs) you know, for obvious reasons. But again, uh, we kind of always trying to get something new in our accounts, try, try some new stuff and hopefully, especially direct to consumer, it might work a little better. Now they are releasing a performance max campaigns with shopping feeds. So that might help a little bit better the performance. But again, performance max is taking over prioritizing. Um, it's, it gets prioritized over your search campaigns, your standard display campaigns. Oh, so wow. that's the main issue here. Uh, they say, well, keep your search campaigns um, kind of running along the side, but it will prioritize Swatch uh, campaigns. I didn't know that. Over it, yeah. And I've seen people saying, oh, it's working. But again, you can't see what's actually working. Is it a bunch of, you know, brand keywords that it's working on? Or now with shopping, is it going to be just a remarketing audience or something like that? So, so it's been uh, that one I kind of a little bit more cautious about. You also do need to have a big budget to start with uh, the new beta. So that one is um, on a fence about, but I do know some people are starting to try them in the agency. So So it's got to be so hard to measure (laughs) success if it's like eating up your search volume. What do you compare that against? If it's prioritizing some of your search and display campaigns, what is that, you know, getting to compare to? if it's taking over the traffic, cannibalizing the traffic uh, at the end of the day. Yeah, but from the things that been working, I actually agree with Julie, we've been using a lot more audiences to space. They are more granular right now, um, especially for real estate, I found a lot of good audiences there. Um, it is frustrating that you can target and observe because uh, nowadays we actually structure some of the campaigns that are around some audience across some of the profiles. So we do need to have some performance data to understand if certain audience is working for me. Uh, so that's been uh, tested lately. Uh, I would say actually DSA is working pretty well for me, which is surprising. I I always you know was more cautious about DSA just because of things that I could match out to. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some very you know, well-developed websites or uh, some of the retail e-com clients that have a big feed, you'll be able to actually uh, get some results from DSA. Also, I think it works better with smart bidding. Okay. I feel like Google has a little bit more of a direction where it goes. If you have TCPA or TTRS goal uh, assigned to it. And again, I always have a ton of negatives when it comes to it and want to make sure that it's not really eating the uh, traffic away from the keywords that I'm targeting. 
Um, yeah, and shopping campaigns. Yeah, smart shopping. <laughs> it's, smart been, shopping. it's been a success for us, uh, for some clients. And again, there's a lot of challenges that we're facing currently as well. But if clients want to scale their sales and some of the products, they have a large feed in, some of the products really not working, smart shopping really comes to play. That's great. Good to see automation working in some applications. Mark, what do you think? Anything that's working better than it was? Yes, and I'm actually happy the way the conversation is going. So I'm gonna pull both something from Anastasia and from Julie. And it's kind of figuring out how to make the new things Google is coming out with work for B2B. And I've been seeing a lot of success with DSAs with Target CPA for some of my SaaS clients who have different modules of their product. So typically when we think of DSAs, we think of e-commerce companies with a lot of products and we can't be doing a lot of search ad groups but I've been able to kind of make page groups about certain modules of the software or different software products that a SaaS company has and actually get demo requests that way. And when combined with Target CPA actually allows us to convert on keywords that we wouldn't be able to do on ECPC and our other campaigns because they're too broad, but combining those two pieces of automation, it actually is really successful and can get you some strong leads at a decent cost. Um, the one thing like Anastasia said is you need to be very careful with your <laughs> negatives. Um, immediately, if you're doing DSAs, exclude all of your branded terms because it's going to favor branded based on the website pages and exclude your keywords from your search campaign so you're not cannibalizing yourself. But it actually really can work for B2B if you set it up properly. Awesome. Definitely worth a shot for the right site. Okay. So to get a little more granular here, I want to talk about separate components of a campaign. So let's start with keywords because this was a huge topic from that episode we had with Julie and Mark a year ago. From the keywords you can actually see, Julie, how has keyword matching been going in your accounts? Are you seeing an impact from the phase out of broad match modified? And in close variant, are close variants still a big issue? Yes. <laughs> like my <laughs> Take it out, yes. everyone. Yes, the, the close variants. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, I feel like each month it just gets worse. I don't know if everyone else is, is having the same experience, but between like what's getting matched, how it's getting matched, uh, the interpretation of what is a similar or related term. Like it's just, there's so many head scratchers when you, when you look in there. And again, that's assuming that you can see, <laughs> although we did get some good news that, you know, supposedly the, uh, the query data is they are trying to work on a way to bring yeah. more of that back. So I've got my fingers crossed. <laughs> I will, I will be dancing in the streets, I will popping be, champagne. <laughs> it, it'll be a party. You will hear the whoop of joy coming from me. If that, you know, if that actually comes to pass, you'll hear it across the entire country. I swear. I'll be so happy. But the way it is now, like it's hard from what you can see from the limited amount of stuff you can see. And you can see more, you can still see more in analytics, by the way, they have not closed that loophole yet um so you can get more insight if you're if you're looking at the the queries in in analytics then you will see in the google ads uh interface but yeah i it just i don't know it's it's very it's disheartening mm -hmm. <laughs> 
because there's so many things that that it feels like it should be it should be better as far as being able to understand what some of the you know related terms are and it just it just feels like it doesn't and then you look at the recommendations for like what it wants you to add and you're thinking like oh my god it's the machine that knows nothing like it really <laughs> wow <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like that piece has a long way to go before it's really, um, you just have to watch it so, so closely. And, you know, you really have to stretch your brain in ways to think about like, how could this go off the rails in, in ways that I never even imagined. Um, so yeah. Yes. More bad news there. <laughs> yeah. I hope Jenny's working on it. I'm optimistic. Maybe I'm by the time this episode drops, we'll have news we don't know okay that is very optimistic that is (laughs) you got a dream i like it though i like it (laughs) anastasia what do you think have you seen an impact from the phase out of broad match modified in your account or the new uh phrase Uh, match yeah well i'm still seeing issues with phrase and even exact close match variants on google but i would say recently uh microsoft has been just terrible to the point where we're getting refunds for our keywords. And I've been tweeting about it. A lot of people experience the same thing. Pretty much everybody uh, who work at Stella now and I see them, they are looking at their terms and seeing some irrelevant terms they can't get refund for. So that's been really uh, a problem for us lately. So I think on uh, in terms of the broad match modified depreciation, you know, we are seeing, uh, you know, losing volume in certain campaigns where we use those uh, keywords, but we always have phrase keywords these days um, and just replacing them. Actually, you can quickly replace them in Google ads right now. So um, change from broad match modified to phrase. But um, at this point, I think we also were thinking our campaign structure as well. Because now with the calls match, uh, match variants, you know, I used to be like avid skagger. <laughs> I used to have skags everywhere. Oh, really? And, you know, kind of uh, faded away from that. Now skags won't work. I don't separate my campaign by match types anymore. Unless it's broad. Broad is I'm a little bit more cautious about. But I kind of mix them all together. I'm also thinking differently about uh, match types as well and what type of keywords I'm using for certain match types. If it's phrase, you know, I'm trying to use a little bit more of a long tail keyword to give more direction to Google. But again, you have to be really good balance because sometimes you, yes, you're using very long tail keywords, but then you're not getting any traffic. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's So been- RIP Skags. We never use them here, so I didn't realize the close variance would be kind of worse. Man, Skag enthusiast, you should add that yeah. to your business card. I love it. I know. I, I know. missed the word. <laughs> I missed the word for sure. Yeah. But you know, wait, someone brought it up like a different term um, and kind of similar to Skags when you actually structure your keywords by theme or by service. So <laughs> there's yeah, a new term. Stag. They were talking about stags. Yes, 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 yes. Ooh, that's there's a, good a new term. Stag. Stag. Single yep. theme ad group. Mm-hmm. Mark, what do you think? Do you have any strategies to combat bad matching? Um, yes. So I saw like, and I've said these things before. So like, sorry to, well, I shouldn't say, PETA says to say, um, feed a fed horse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I recently 
had accounts where I've had to turn Microsoft ads off because I can't even keep up with support in the way that you're saying Anastasia and getting the refunds. It's just been so bad. I've just had to turn Microsoft ads off for some accounts because the closed variants are so bad. And then with Google, I recently had account with my lowest search term percentage showing ever. It was only, I could only see 35% of clicks attributed to search terms. And that was so egregiously low. Um, but it's kind of the same strategy we've been saying from the beginning, um, kind of doing a find and replace to identify um, close variant exact match negatives. So sometimes words like software will be swapped for system or like words like system will just be dropped entirely. So kind of looking at your keyword list and thinking, okay, which words is Google going to drop because they don't think they're important, but they are important to me and kind of doing a find and replace on that and come up with some exact match negatives to add in. Um, and also I always come back um, to the tip from Andrea Cruz to use Keyword Planner to feed your negative lists and type in your keywords and see what Google suggests and pick out all of the bad ones and use those as negatives and use that to feed your negative lists. And of course, Microsoft Ads, despite having much worse close variant matching, they show search terms even if you just have one impression. So you can see kind of possible bad close variants and take those from Microsoft and apply them to Google. Um, and I think you just need to be much tighter with the keywords that you're targeting, um, possibly using audiences with broader keywords and um, watching all of those high spenders. Yeah, sometimes I feel like when I'm looking at the Microsoft search term report, I need like a cocktail. <laughs> Just, first of all, the sheer volume because you get so much more. And then the bad matching, like Anastasia said, it's so egregious there. And then it's like, didn't I already negate that sometimes with Microsoft? <laughs> okay, so I was going to talk about targeting next, but we did that a lot in the beginning. So let's move on to ads. We did touch on DSAs a little bit, but Julie, a year ago, we thought we were losing um, expanded text ads, remember? But we still got them for now. So what is working well for you on search with ads? Uh, I am trying to embrace the responsive search ads. It varies. Um, you know, I think it's funny. So like we still have the expanded text ads. I feel like you have to add the for now, uh, you know, <laughs> onto there because you go, I, I was working on setting up some, some new, some new ads the other day and man, it's hard to, they don't make it easy yeah. <laughs> to get to the screen where you could create a, a, a you know, expanded text ad as opposed to, you know, it's like, nope, RSA, that's it. That's all I got, you know, put in all the pieces. Um, I'm trying to, I, I, the RSAs, they take more time, I think, to know what's happening. And they take a different, it's again, like, I feel like the theme for the, this last year and a half, and it's going to continue, is like, just like shifting, shifting your mindset and being willing to be flexible and how you think about things and how you're doing things. Because you would think that writing components for a responsive search ad is essentially just multiplying out what you would do if you were writing the, the regular text ads. And at first blush, it seems like that's what you would do, right? But I found that if you think about it that way, you write crappy ads. <laughs> Like you write, you're like, oh, I did, like I filled in all this stuff. I feel like I have a good blend of things. And then it's like, uh, you know, then you, you get the little score, right? From Google, it's like, mm, 
that's not very good. Um, and they'll limit you, right? If you're not meeting their criteria for what they think is a decent, you know, decent set of components for RSA, they're gonna they're gonna limit your, um, you know, your your impressions and how how much they're gonna serve it. So for me, I think it's been opening up a little bit more to try to think of different. We're so used to writing uh, the text ads where you have like small variations in, in the components that you might write. You know, if you're writing like two or three different versions of an ad, it the stuff that's going to be in there is going to be fairly similar, but you're trying out like different variations. And I think for me, what I'm starting to realize is for the RSAs, you have to almost set that mindset aside a little bit. And you do really have to come up with components that are are more different from each other than what we're used to doing in in creating creating the text ads and then you just have to pray that the ones that they put together yeah. <laughs> make some kind of reasonable sense i mean yeah. you you know you can pin certain things and and whatnot but again you're you're getting into that space where it's like well you know then you're hamstringing the the automation which is supposed to find the boat the best you know the best combinations and how much do you want to be getting in the way of that and that's sort of a question that's still, um, you know, on on the table. But I think being a little bit more like creative or flexible with yourself when you're doing the RSA stuff, for me, that has made the RSAs perform a bit better. Yeah, you got to trust. It is so hard when you see the bad combinations in the SERP, though, and you're like, <laughs> it is. I know it's awful. <laughs> yeah, you just hope the client isn't seeing a crazy combination. Yeah. <laughs> Mark, what about extensions? You mentioned that lead form extensions are kind of a miss, at least for now. Is there anything that is working well, really well for B2B right now? Yeah, well, one actually that I've never been able to use promotion extensions before in B2B because if your client, clients don't run promotions as often in B2B, it's just a fact. There might be like a quarterly promotion every once in a while, but they don't always want to put it in ads. And so I finally got to use promotion extensions recently with a client and it worked really well. Um, the extension itself drew far more conversions than any other sort of um, promotion oriented advertising we did around this promotion. And I absolutely loved it. I will, I'll, I will use promotion extensions every time now. Anastasia, anything that's working well for you? Uh, I would say, you know, we're trying to adopt RSAs and um, it's harder with some of the B2B clients because they have legal issues when, when it comes to ad copy, they need to have uh, sign off and certain copy in certain version. So for those clients, it's just really difficult right now because we have to pin things and that, that doesn't work with Google. Um, for retail, when it comes to retail e-com, um, I do use a lot of ad customizers. And they because some of the replies of kind of promotions, like weekly promotion or flash promo, we have to update our ads all the time or um, even use some of the extensions, but ads has to be updated. So I use ad customizers business uh, data feeds for me to kind of dynamically update my headlines and descriptions. So I don't have awesome. to pause and activate ads all the time. So it really takes a lot of legwork. Um, especially if you're kind of large, right? So the RSA is not really working with AdCustomizers just yet. I think they're rolling out something, but also when it comes to RSAs, 
if I'm thinking about promos, if I need to change my ads, even during Black Friday or big sales, it's just so much copywriting. <laughs> so, so, so a lot of, it takes a lot of time to update those ads. So we still like exploring the solutions for some of those uh, clients, of course. We, you know, for big promos, we always, always, always want to change the, the ad copy. We do use promo extensions. They do work well, I agree with Mark. Um, and actually from something that new just came out, um, image extension working well for retail clients. Again, the image is so small that you can't really show any lifestyle image. It has to be like a product or something like that. But those uh, extensions driving way like higher click-through rate and um, higher conversion rate. But um, something that didn't work is lead extensions, just not showing the performance that we want and price extensions actually i'm testing them right now surprisingly they're just not showing uh oh, the really? same click rate <laughs> yeah and yeah. conversion rate is much lower i guess people are kind of like scared by the prices yeah <laughs> that we showed but um yeah that's what that's we, cool. we've been testing that's so fun that you get to use customizers i always forget about them you get to use all the fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> i know Okay, quickly, a little smorgasbord here. I want to ask you all what is working for all other campaign types. So anything you want to give a shout out for video, display, shopping, discovery, performance max. I know you love those, Anastasia. <laughs> what is work? What else is working in your accounts? I'll start with you. Um, actually, we've been running uh, a lot of RDAs or responsive display ads. Uh, those been working well um, when compared to some of the standard standard display ads. Um, I like those because you have a lot of components in there. You can serve image, text, and also video. So uh, we see an increases in reach and volume, click rate is higher too. And if you actually use also DTC, uh, if you use dynamic, remark, um, dynamic component, you can show products to people, again, remarket some of the customers that works so well with RDAs. And I guess that's why also we see a success with those. Great. What about you, Mark? This is a, a very small tidbit, but something I did not realize existed for a long time is that when you add individual placements in a display campaign, Google will recommend similar websites to you that have ad inventory. And I never realized this before because I'm always bulk adding sites that I know have ad inventory. And I'm like, this is really cool. Well, like when a client comes to you with one particular website that they want to show on, that you can come back to them with 10 additional sites that would be a good fit. And it's kind of like, we need like a keyword planner tool for site placements. And that's kind of the best that we'll get there. And then one other thing just with the change of custom intent and custom affinity being phased out for audience types that I've kind of stopped using URLs as an, to seed custom audiences and have completely switched to just using search keywords because you need that intent there in order for that to be effective. And I've seen much more success with changing everything to being search keyword driven for custom audiences for display. Awesome. Julie, what's working for you? Uh, I'm going to echo both both of these brilliant folks and say <laughs> that the um, the responsive display ads are definitely better. Um, I When a client wants to 
do like oh you know we made a bunch of ads i'm like oh, great <laughs> can we have the pieces um you know because you're you're missing out on on inventory you can just see it like if you have i, I have a couple of clients where you know they really wanted to have their you know their uh, set you know ads and i convince them like can we also run you know a, a responsive one to you know kind of see what happens and you can you can see the difference. I think you know um, Google favors the responsive over the static ones a lot. Um, so I would highly encourage. Again, you run into similar issues potentially with you know compliance and and that type of thing. But if you have the option to do it, that that can be a nice little lift. And I have been doing the managed placements forever. Um, and I feel like the way that Google does stuff now with the amount of garbage that you're, you're, you will get in the placement, if you're just sort of doing it more, more generally, it's a headache and a half, but it's worth, you can start to compile your own lists of placements that are going to be appropriate for different types of, of clients and different types of industries. I feel like that's a really good place to spend some time right now, because it's super easy if if you're not doing that to run up against that 10,000 exclusion uh, placements <laughs> cap. Um, <laughs> I have a number of clients where, where they didn't want to do managed placements. They're like, no, 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 we don't want to do that. And I'm like, okay, you know, within, within inside of like six weeks, we had already hit the 10,000 exclusion, uh, you know, cap. And then you're, you're, you're out of luck. Like you can't add any more, <laughs> any more exclusions. You're just taking everything that Google wants to give you. So wow. Yeah, it's it's good times. That's a lot um, to manage. <laughs> it is. It is. So that's why, like the the managed placement piece. It, again, it's like a little bit more front loaded work because you're having to kind of come up with ideas. But Google will give you some pretty good suggestions, and they'll send you down some paths that can help you to build out those lists. But like, save those lists uh, so that you you have you know where you want to start next time, right? Mm -hmm. So. I feel like that's a good place to put some time and energy because the 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 GDN can work great and it can be a complete waste of money. So the more that you can do to sort of like put some serious guardrails on on where things can show up, I feel like you're going to be you're going to be better positioned for 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 better results for whatever, you know, funds are being put on that side of things. Awesome. Great advice there. And to go back to RDAs for a second, I think it was this year we got a few more options for RDAs. Like you can decide whether or not it's allowed to be a video in yeah. the native format. Mm -hmm. So I hope they do more there. I love RDAs. Yeah. But I want them to fix the disapprovals on RDAs yes. as I was tweeting oh. the other day, because <laughs> yeah. they used, if an, if an individual image was disapproved, or mm -hmm. they used to tell you which image it was. And for some reason recently, they're like this, you've, you're disapproved or limited for poor image quality or um, the image not meeting their other guidelines is saying it's like a misleading ad design, but then they don't tell you and you're looking against Google's <laughs> guidelines. But I'm like, I can't figure out which image it is. None of these have fake click buttons or text fields or anything that would be misleading. I don't know what you're talking about. And you end up just having to clone the ad and start over. I'm just like, I'm my favorite loss. thing on PPC chat right now is people sharing the images that have been disapproved that are like <laughs> yes. someone's hand or something <laughs> for adult content. <laughs> I know if you show in a little part of like I have a client who sells jewelry and of course you show a hand or like a part of some part of body right where you have jewelry on and it always always gets black for adult content. I'm like, I'm not show nudity. 
It's just so funny. Uh, <laughs> this is a bracelet. <laughs> it's a bracelet, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and next I want to talk about automation. Google and Microsoft both heavily push campaign automation in advertisers and are always launching new automated bid strategies, campaign types, ad types, and settings. It's Every day it's something new. And automation can mean a lot of things. So let's start with the lower end of this where you can have automation with some large levers. So I'm thinking of like target CPA or responsive search ads that we talked about. Do you guys find yourself using a lot of this, I'll call it human powered automation more than you have in the past? And is there anything going well or poorly with human guide guided automation from where you see it? Julie, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm trying to embrace as much as I can, uh, you know, as I was talking about earlier. Some of the bidding stuff is is hard with the, the B2B, just it, the conversion volume and the the number of conversions you would get per day per week, uh, at least in, in in my accounts and what I found it it often struggles the the bidding pieces struggle to really gain momentum and really learn enough I think to to really really be effective. But the ads, the, the responsive ads or the D, I don't know if you put like DSA in that category as well. Yeah. Um, but I think some of the stuff that you can do with ads where you're putting in a certain amount of input, whether it's DSA, you know, deciding on the page or the group of pages that you want it to target, or whether it's the, the responsive search ads. I feel like those are places where it's smart to be figuring out how to make some of those things work because it hasn't been announced that those are going to be the only way to do things in the future. But it's not hard to imagine that we could certainly get to a place where those really are the only options. So I think it's always smart to be hedging against what you've been doing that is still having success and then experimenting with the newer pieces to figure out how to be able to make those work. Because the last thing you want is to be in a place where you've done nothing or you've done only a little bit as far as learning to work with some of the newer technologies. And then, you know, it, it's announced that like, oh, by the way, in two months, you're not going to be able to have, you know, tech ads anymore. So just trying to be a little bit forward thinking and be, be testing things and being able to sort of figure out what sort of works in different scenarios with different types of different types of clients. I think that's a smart that's a smart way to go at this, you know, where we are in the evolution. Yeah. So going back to the bidding, Julie, there are probably people listening to this who are still only using manual bidding. What, what do you think you would say to them? Do you think that they still will be soon or? I'm, I would say past? first, I get it. <laughs> I get it. Um, because for the accounts that don't have the conversion volume, it's, it is the best option in some in some cases because the smart the smart bidding the automation it just it doesn't know what to do. Um, so part of me feels like I should be saying you need to figure out a different way to do it. And and I do feel like we are going to reach a point again that horizon is undefined right now. But I do believe we're going to reach a point where the manual is not even going to be an option anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't know how soon that's going to be. Uh, and I also don't know how much better the smart bidding stuff will get. You know, will will they be able to find a way for it to be more efficient and work better for non-ecom accounts? That's kind of the big question, right? Or 
are we just going to have to kind of deal with lesser performance if you're not e-com if and when the the option to you know do still do certain things manually goes away i don't have the answer to that um but i think again continuing to try to dip your feet in and figure out if there are ways that you can make things work on, on a small scale. You don't have to go whole hog and convert everything that you're doing, but you should be trying to, you know, figure out how it might work, how it wouldn't work, you know, yeah. fill in some of those blanks for, for yourself across as many accounts as you can, because you might see different things in different types of accounts. So the more you can kind of get your hands dirty when it comes to some of this stuff, um, I think it will serve you well as we go kind of, you know, into the unknown. Yeah. So scary. I feel I like know. this episode could be like a time capsule. We'll listen to it in five years and there's no keywords and it's just oh, sad. Yeah, I know. Like it, well. I think we had it so good back then. I know. The good old days. <laughs> Anastasia, what do you think of this automation light? What are you using and finding success with? I'll be honest. I do use manual CPC, the manual bidding in some campaigns and some accounts. Um, you know, this even human powered uh, automation really works for clients and brands that have uh, a lot of historical performance, a lot of historical data. Google keeps saying like, oh, we don't have the threshold for conversions anymore to test TCPA or TRS, which was before, like you need to have 30 conversions in 30 days. But I did notice that if you have that strong conversion volume, if you have some performance, a historical performance, your automation will work much better because you need to feed uh, this automation, this algorithm, the right data. And yeah. if you don't have any data, no conversions, you won't be able to really ramp those campaigns up. And I noticed that uh, automation uh, really struggles and tend to freeze up um, for some of those accounts. So for brands and clients that's starting out and had no experience in Google Ads, we do recommend to start with manual CPCs or right. whatever enhanced CPC is, uh, gather that performance data, and then kind of build off from those um, learnings and apply automation. And there's some accounts where manual is just the only way to go. And to be clear, when you say manual, do you always leave the enhanced box checked or do you ever have completely manual? I did notice that I leave it on. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Yeah, I actually leave it on. I don't know if it's really doing much, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Mark, what light automation is working for you? Yeah, I am um, really big agree on that point where you always need to start with manual or enhanced CPC, both because of what um, Anastasia said, where you need to seed information into the automation first before it can actually do anything you need to have that conversion history but also in my opinion you need to have something to compare the automation to like you don't really know the automation is working if you can't look back at the ecpc either in an experiment or in past campaign performance to see how many search terms you can see, what the performance is, what the conversion rate is, how the mappings are. You need to have kind of a control to compare that back to um, in order to know if it is actually working and is better than enhanced or manual CPC. And 
Um, another note is that um, kind of in that same vein where you need that information to start, a lot of times in B2B, we segment our campaigns in certain ways that make sense for us, but they don't always make sense in terms of getting enough conversions in a 30-day period to be able to use um, automated bidding. There just won't be enough information for the machine to actually make that work. And again, speaking to features that I always like scoffed at and never used, um, portfolio bidding actually has worked very well for me here in terms of B2B accounts with lower conversion volumes that I want to test target CPA or target ROAS for. And I actually have a transactional B2B client right now where um, manual CPC just wasn't cutting it. We couldn't get returns for them. And we wanted to use target ROAS, but those campaigns did not have the conversion history. And we set up portfolio bidding with the um, target ROAS being fed by the RLSA and branded campaigns. And that was actually able to help bring the non-branded and the DSA campaigns up using that conversion information. So portfolio bidding, it doesn't always work. Sometimes it still won't work, um, but it is something to try when you don't have that conversion volume in order to feed um, those algorithms. Awesome. Another feature I forget about sometimes. So thanks for the reminder. <laughs> So now let's talk about a little scarier, the full automation where you just really have to trust the process and leave it up to the machine. So my examples for this are smart shopping and performance max, automated recommendations, God forbid, smart campaigns. Anastasia, I know you deal with a lot of this thoughts and prayers. What are you seeing? Can you talk about any fully automated strategies that work or don't work? Well, again, going back to smart shopping, it's been working well for some retail clients um, in the past. And it actually outperforms some of the traditional campaigns. We do have also hybrid approach on some clients. So it's not always smart shopping. But, you know, recently we've been getting, um, actually dealing with some challenges on the smart shopping side. Um, it's, it was performing well, but now we need to scale it. and. The more you push, uh, the less profitable you get. It's really hard to keep that campaign profitable. And we also noticed that for some clients that they have really large product feed, it's not that it's not working, but a majority of products just doesn't get a lot of visibility. So Google keeps prioritizing, keeps pushing some of the top performing items. So now we're exploring some options. You know, we have... Um, you know, strategies in terms of structure and segmentation to avoid that issue, but it's still not working perfectly. And Google itself actually now saying to me, maybe try standard shopping campaigns for this products, uh, wow. which is surprising, you know. Yeah. Uh, so they're going back on some of their own tools. Um, and now I'm considering more and more of like a hybrid approach rather than having uh, multiple smart shopping campaigns in the account for some of those uh, some of those brands. Um, I also know that you know you mentioned the auto apply recommendations. Google is pushing very very hard on it. Uh, we actually started adopting some of those, and some of those are you know harmless, like removing redundant keywords or uh, things like. Um, add audience reporting and things like that. So the, um, the recommendations that focus more of um, an account hygiene, we've been using more and more. I do say that 
uh, RSA recommendation or any keyword recommendation is just not useful right now. It's just not as intuitive. And the versions that they present in to us are just atrocious. It's, yeah. you know, RSA is a bunch of like brand names in every headline and every description. Like, what are you even saying here? <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make sense. So there's still, you know, they need to work on some of those recommendations. They're not as smart, but we are adopting right. a few of those right now. And it is nice that they sound so scary, the automated recommendations, but I do forget sometimes that you can choose the ones you're going to opt into. It's nice mm -hmm. to have that control. Mark, what about you? Is anything working really well for you with this fully automated world? I, I don't even try it. With <laughs> I need to have control, especially with my B2B clients. Google just doesn't understand the intricacies of the products that I'm selling. And I can't trust any of this. I mean, I shopping campaigns and performance max will likely never apply to what I'm doing and automated recommendations. I just can't do it. I had a client that had them turned on when I was taking over the account and they were a design software for enterprise marketing automation platforms for email landing pages. And the keywords that were automatically applied were just garbage like anything related to email marketing was in there and the ads made no sense and I'm like this all needs to be turned off I I can't use any of it maybe in the future it will be at that point but right now I cannot risk doing any of this fully automated stuff mm -hmm. Julie is anything working well for you um, well, to the two, the, the performance max and the shopping are not really applicable. And I, I'm going to agree with Mark. Like I, um, the auto applied is a hard no for me. Um, I feel like I can check, you know, certain things that they're recommending and maybe, maybe apply it, but, um, just scanning it. Or I did, I also had a client who had them, um, applied when I took it over and I didn't, didn't realize that they were applied at first. I'm like, what is happening? And then yeah. you go and you're like, oh, okay. Yes. Yes. That's happening. Um, and I think, yeah, so it's, the, the, that's a hard no for me. I, I hope it gets better. Um, but right now it's just, it's more aggravation and it creates more work, at least for, for the kind of stuff that I'm, that I'm working on. Uh, so maybe someday. Yeah. But sometimes <laughs> when you read those ad suggestions, it makes you feel really good about your job security. So that's always nice to see. I mean, it does, but at the same time, it makes you feel like, like, you know, wow, I could, you know, completely put in like 20% effort and still be writing better ads, but it also kind of makes you feel like, you know, are we going to get to a point where like, it, it's a bit horrifying to think like, where, you know, where on the horizon is it going to be that like, this stuff is just going to be happening. Like, I, I don't know. I try not to think about that too long because it makes me, you know, get a little bit of agita, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And kind of the scariest part about it is as they're pushing this automation, they're always taking more data away. They're taking our keywords away. And so does that make you more hesitant to try these fully automated strategies? Yeah. I'm a huge trust, but verify person, right. When it comes to this kind of stuff. So it's like, I want to be able to put my faith in, in what's happening. And I want to be able to see the, the results, but I also want to understand why it's working. And one of my big frustrations with a lot of the automation is 
a lot of the stuff that I do with the data definitely is directly tied to what I'm doing in PPC, you know, like in, in the search ads and the campaigns, but I take information from one place and I utilize it someplace else. And I do that a lot, um, whether it's like across platforms, whether it's, you know, one land pages, like I take a lot of information that I glean from different areas and then I try to, you know, utilize it. In, in other ways. And the less you're able to see, the less I have available to use in that way. So it it cuts down on the ability to be able to be to be full spectrum. And also in the ways you're able to talk to talk to clients about things. Like you can't give them the same type of insights, I don't think, as the data is being pulled back and pulled back and pulled back. You're we're we're able to see less things. We're able to make fewer connections, I think, now than perhaps you were able to do when you were able to see more. I mean, and this is true on all the platforms too. Like you can't see as much, you know, and what's going on in Facebook. You used to have like great insights into audiences and, and that kind of thing too. And like, that's all pulled back. So mm-hmm. the the lessening of information that's available, I think has like a, it has like a larger, more global effect on how you're able to do things and how you're able to contextualize things yeah. for clients. And it's a net negative. It's hard. Anastasia, what do you think? As you're testing smart shopping and performance max, how are you verifying that they're working if you have such limited data? Uh, I, I think going back to what Mark was saying, you really have to compare it to a standard, um, either search or standard uh, shopping campaigns. It's harder and harder because actually smart shopping always gets prioritized when it comes to um, your, even your disparate marketing uh, ads or your standard shopping campaigns. But you still, you know, kind of um, do that and compare to to those companies because there's no other option. Um, I think, you know, it's hard because I was um, manually bidding until the end and really was reluctant to try some of the automated automation because it's not as smart. I was kind of waiting out for Google to make some changes, update some of the tools. But I think it's really kind of impossible not to try, not to really get into it. Because uh, as, as we all saying right now, manual CPC or manual bidding is going to go away. ETA mm-hmm. will probably go away. So we do need to try some of those uh, things and some of those tools, because the more experience you have with those, the more data you have, the more uh, insight and learnings you have to make them work better in the future. And that's where we did this much shopping because we started so early for some clients. Now we have certain strategies or certain kind of formula how to make those companies work. Definitely. Okay, so to wrap this up, I wanna look ahead. So first with kind of a downer here, what do you think will be the biggest challenges in PPC advertising in the coming months? Mark, I'll start with you. Yeah, I think it's going to be much more of a need to be finding a more creative path to success. I think things are definitely a lot harder now because of the loss of data and kind of being forced to adopt features that we aren't necessarily thrilled about. So I think there's going to be much more of a need of taking a creative approach to what we're doing in terms of PPC. And I think probably the best way to describe this is what Julie said earlier of figuring out how to use these new features that we don't necessarily think are the best fits for our clients, but finding better ways to use them as like an off-label approach or 
as match types change and keywords aren't as strong, how can we use broader keywords, whether it's literally broad match or broader keywords in terms of the makeup of the term and combining that with in-market audiences and just thinking about things a little bit differently than we have. Awesome. Julie, what do you think? What do you see as the biggest challenges in the coming months and what are you excited about in the coming months? Um, I think the challenges, I'm going to echo, you know, what, what Mark was saying. I think it's, it's a combination of wanting to be more tightly targeted in, in what you're doing and having fewer options in which to do that. Um, I feel like that's a rub that's going to be exacerbated in the, in the coming, you know, six to six to 12 months, because if you couple that with the increased volume of competition, it's, it's a bit nasty in, mm-hmm. in some, uh, you know, in, in some industries. So you've got more people competing and you have less of an ability to target more narrowly. <laughs> um, I think those two things are going to, are going to be challenging. So finding creative ways to, um, hit that sweet spot where you're not being so limited that you're not getting, you know, at the, the volume that you need, but you're not opening it up to the point where, you're wasting, you know, you're wasting spend and you're, you're matching for all kinds of things that are, that are clearly irrelevant and aren't going to convert. I think figuring that puzzle out (laughs) is going to be, you know, what we're going to be spending a lot of, a lot of time on. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm hopeful, as we said earlier, that some of that query data, at least on the Google side, will, will come back. It's nice. I know (laughs) it's really nice being able to see it on the Microsoft, Microsoft side. However, it's a different environment and the volume's different. So I think taking advantage of what you can find on the Microsoft side and preceding things into um, Google to help cut down on some of the, the nonsense makes sense, but it would be just amazing mm-hmm. if we could have, you know, even 50% of the data that's, that's currently being hidden back. I think that would make a big difference in the, the parts that are going to be more challenging going yeah. forward. I think it's going to get better based on Jenny's tweet. I'm just keeping my fingers crossed. I really, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. Well, I said on the show last week, it can't get worse, but it probably could. So I shouldn't say that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Anastasia, I'll end with you. What do you see as the biggest challenges in the coming months? And what are you the most excited about? I think I'll echo both. Uh, You have to be more creative about everything you're doing right now. You're going to have less and less visibility in data, especially now we get in more into automation. I think also some of the privacy issues uh, will be a challenge, you know, curriculous future and things like that, not only for us as marketers, but also for Google, because Google is um, those automated or smart campaigns working off some of the user behavior signals that will be lost at some point, right? Um, I think um, more and more I've seen Google actually taking the ability to target certain demographics or certain audiences um, on Google due to some of the privacy issues, HEC policy that actually came out uh, last October. So we've been dealing with those quite a bit. And um, again, you have to be kind of find a different way to make your campaign sufficient and effective because to Julie's point, the competition is rising and CPCs are doubling year over year. 
Awesome. It is now officially not marketing a talk. Thank you, Anastasia, Mark, and Julie for joining me. Julie Bacini is the president of Neptune Moon. You can also catch her on Twitter where she moderates PPC chat on Tuesdays at noon and on Twitter and Twitter spaces Thursdays at noon. Right, Julie? Yes, I'm everywhere. If you want to find me, Twitter, you can always find me hanging out on Twitter. Yes. And you are at Neptune Moon, right? Correct. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. Thank and you. Anastasia Sorokina is an associate director of search engine marketing at Seller Rising. Anastasia, where can our listeners reach you? You can reach me on Twitter. I'm there a lot uh, at Anna underscore Sorok. Um, it's like more, a little bit of beginning of my uh, last name. And you can also reach me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you for being here. And Mark Saltarelli is a digital marketing manager at Cypress North. You can catch him with me on Marketing O'Clock every Friday. Mark, where can people get in touch with you? Yes, same. You can find me on Twitter at Marketing by Mark on Twitter and LinkedIn as well, Mark T. Saltarelli. Thanks again for being here. If you are looking for digital marketing news and a lot of really bad puns, please be sure to subscribe. We release new episodes with Jess Bud and Greg Finn every Friday, in addition to these special roundtables that we're releasing every month. And we've now done a whole year. So thank you guys so much for being a part of this. And we will see you next month.